Welcome to another edition of San Luis Valley Voices, a production of SL Voices, your voice in the San Luis Valley. Without further ado, enjoy the program. longest-running sustainable living energy fair in the country is happening again this year. It's the 32nd annual Creststone Energy Fair coming up on Saturday and Sunday, August 28 and 29 near Creststone, Colorado. Here to explain more about microgrids, social permaculture, wood gasification, the expansion of this year's fair, how you can attend in person or virtually, their need for volunteers, and so much more are director Lisa Bodie, on-site producer Nick Navarez, and advisor Donovan Spitzman. I'm Adam, and for this podcast, I have just one thing to say to start. They're back. <laughs> For the third year in a row, we have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with the nucleus of the Crestone Energy Fair. Director Lisa Bodie, producer Nick Navarez, and advisor Donovan Spitzman are all joining us for this special podcast. Welcome back to SL Voices, you three. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Adam and Martha. Joining us as well, special guest appearance by Martha. Hi. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach to this podcast. It's not going to be your typical question and answer session, but more of an open discussion. This year marks the 32nd annual Crestone Energy Fair. It started all the way back in August of 1990. This is, as we know, the longest running energy fair in the entire country. This year it's happening August 28th and 29th. Now, I do have the one specific question for each of you to kind of get going. Then we can open this up to a more generalized discussion. Donovan, you've been the one to introduce our listeners to some really new and interesting terms and concepts every year. It was humanure a couple years ago. Last year, you talked about hempcrete. What I'd like to know is what's your phrase for this year and what's it all about? That's a great question, Adam. This year for me has become very much about microgrids. Microgrids? Microgrids. That's become a um, thing that just keeps popping up everywhere it seems like I turn around. And so what that really entails is small groupings of people, especially like Crestone, isolated, setting up a power system for themselves that has varying components so that you're providing power for yourselves as a group. So it's not just sustainable for one person, such as solar or wind, but you're doing this for several homes. Correct. You know, and it goes back to what the energy fair has really been striving for the last several years and realizing the interpersonal dynamics of us coming together closer as community is how we're actually going to grow through the phase that we're in Mm -hmm. because we're definitely in a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of things up in the air. Pretty much every category of life right now seems to be on a tipping point one direction or another. And so for the energy fair and for me personally, it's really about figuring out how are we going to come through this on the other side, no matter what happens. If the sun flares the earth and we don't have electricity, then what? Right. If we have massive surface events that are caused by something else that wreak havoc, then what? And so that's where I'm at right now. Microgrids. I think it's something a lot of people don't understand. When they hear things like EMP or the grid going down, they think, well, this has to be some kind of man-made disaster. It's not necessarily. The sun can produce something that will and actually has in the past taken down part of the grid. It is quite amazing. And this was a whole new genre of information for me just a few years ago when Nick actually introduced us to Diamond and the Oppenheimer Ranch Project, Mm -hmm. which um, is now probably a little bit more known as the Magnetic Reversal News. 
it really blew my mind. I was obviously, like most of us, being influenced by the paradigm and the narrative that you get from the major media. And suddenly someone was presenting some super scientific data that didn't match. But when they paralleled it to history and what was going on, it matches up really well. And so suddenly some of the narratives I was being exposed to and had been exposed to and had completely bought into, they didn't quite follow the schedule like the some of the deeper science about the solar information does. So it's been quite interesting the last couple of years to dive a little deeper into that reality to see where it goes. And here's the funny part. It really put me in a strange place because once I realized, okay, whether it's human activity or not, whether it's the sun or not, whether our temperature is going to spike or whether it's going to plummet, made no difference to what I'm doing tomorrow. I still need dry place to live that can handle the elements. I still need access to clean water and I still have to be growing food. So that's been an interesting paradigm shift for me. I'm not quite as adamant about people changing patterns and things and I'm not sure what the solution is, but growing food is part of it. Was microgrid something that you're going to be discussing at the energy fair this year? We're not going to specifically, but because of the new site and what we're really attempting to accomplish out there, we're really striving for that self-sustaining eco-village microgrid thing that can actually happen. And so we all go in, we make it happen. When we leave and what we're already seeing now, after only having been doing this for a year, is the site is improving by using it because of the way we use it. And that has been a phenomenal thing that we're super excited to document over the course of the next coming four or five years as things really develop out there. Being that we need a small scale power system out there to power music and lights and all the other things that it takes to hold an event, it puts us in a place where this year we're really focusing strongly on gasification and wood gas and adding wood gas into that potential microgrid paradigm because there's some recycling that comes with it and some secondary markets and products that we can create, stop shipping waste out. It becomes a really big picture once we get deeper into it. Well, I'd like to ask a question that I think a lot of people would wonder about. I'll just voice it. I'll be the one to say it. What is wood gas? So wood gas is a process of taking wood chips or the mitigated wood that's coming out of the forest. As we're trying to mitigate wood for the future fire that's going to happen, those wood chips can then be heated in such a fashion that what they off-gas is actually a flammable gas. It's like propane, but not quite as high of a BTU. And so that's what we're doing now is working on taking those waste fuels, turning them into an actual gas that we can compress into a tank that can then start replacing propane. That's really pretty cool. If you want to really blow your mind, you should come to one of the gasifier meetings because it is incredible chemistry and madness that these guys are talking about. I'm the secretary. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're very proud of that. <laughs> and I'm super proud and of you're it. You're so proud of that. <laughs> I'm proud of that too. I for told you. them that at the last meeting. I'm like, you guys, this is awesome. I finally feel like the best role I can play in this scenario is the secretary. So I'm taking notes. <laughs> you know, I find that I have the most fun when I look around and realize that I'm the dumbest person in the room. And I just get to <sighs> so listen. So much better. I get to soak it up and listen. And, and <laughs> I love I like it that, that. Way. Yeah, yeah, I can just see this whole thing. You got beakers and glasses. <laughs> And, you know, smoke coming up. Oh, they're talking about cryogenic separation of air, and we're getting into a liquid bed of incineration. It's crazy talk. We now have a group of volunteers who we are engaging with 
that are so excited for what we are doing that we are being able to lessen the multiple roles that we are playing and really focus on just a few that we're exceptional at. Lisa, who are the new people that we're working with? (laughs) Great intro. I like that. (laughs) Good segue. 2020 was an interesting year, I think, for all of us and small communities into the road, you know, what's our supply chains, taking a look. So one of the things that was really impressive is in two months, we took a 10-acre site. Thank you to Eric Mackey for offering up that land space to the Energy Fair to develop an off-grid site. So now we're truly developing from the ground up. And so really thanking the Sawatch County commissioners and the sheriff's office of Sawatch County, public health, our local fire and EMS with the Baca and Crestone, because all of these agencies that are working at more of that countywide level came in to support us doing an event last year. And so from that, it led into Joyful Journey, our local hot springs going, hey, how do we do an outdoor event with a large number of people in the current situation? So they brought us in for consulting to do the seed exchange this spring, which was amazing. So we used that as really our kickoff this year. So I think it was us really persevering and bringing people in to not back down going, no, this is now the most important time that we focus on these pieces, you know, our food, water, shelter and taking care of each other. So the team that's gravitated now has just been phenomenal. Lydia Sprouts is a local musician and she's been in event management and has taken on our booking lead. And so she's bringing in some phenomenal outside acts and presenters and speakers because we also realized we don't want to continue to just keep listening to each other talk. We want to hear some outside and fresh perspectives. This year, you know, we actually have established two stages and brought back our demo area. So last year in creating that event space, we really only had enough time to create one stage and have speeches and conversations through that one stage. Did you just say just one stage? Just? Now we have three. Have you seen that stage? I, the stage is spectacular. That's <laughs> that's so true. The stage, like Donovan, Eric, and these guys have literally built an amphitheater easily to hold a thousand or two people in the sand. It's bermed up. The backdrop is unbelievable. It's the mountain range, the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. It is just spectacular. So I apologize for that. It is not just a stage. It is a spectacular stage. So this year, however, we wanted to broaden the depth of conversations that we had to three different areas or three different types of conversations, right? So we have our main stage that are our traditional speeches, right? Where the speakers are talking about a certain topic and then maybe doing a Q&A, but that's, you know, pretty much the length of it. The second area, we actually just bought a 46-foot diameter tent that we are going to be doing more roundtable discussions in. You know, some of these conversations like beekeeping in the desert or edible medicinal plants that are all around us that we don't even know about. We actually have a variety of speakers coming to engage people directly throughout the course of the conversation. And so that's our second area. And our third, we're bringing back the demo area, the demonstration area. So you'll get to experience firsthand what it feels like to pound tires for an earthship or what it's like to build a wall with hempcrete or to work with papercrete or to put cut glass bottles inside of a wall to create light generation and decor. So there's going to be a variety of ways that you can engage with us this year, all with the intention of education and empowerment to do it yourself. So there's real hands-on stuff here in this third stage. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And two days. This year, it's Saturday and Sunday, August 28th and 29th. 
Well, Nick, obviously, you're the event coordinator here, behind the scenes with the Crestone Energy Fair. And I understand, too, you are also the event coordinator and really the heart and soul behind Crestone's recent 4th of July celebration. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Everything I heard was it was just an amazing day. Thanks. Tell me a little bit about the 4th celebration. Oh, sure. Okay. You know, the town decided they wanted to bring community back together. You know, my background is in event production on a large scale, both music festivals and large corporate events, you know, around the country. We had a great time. We had five bands. We had vendors. We had a soapbox derby, which was fantastic. It was a great day to just come back together and and enjoy being in each other's company. Fire spinners in the parade representing the element of fire for your elements of independence theme. We had a fantastic parade. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It was just so much fun. It was like the perfect small town event. It was so cool. And they've already asked you to come back? They have, yeah. A couple weeks later, they voted to make sure that I always keep producing that event. (laughs) Even with the balloons. I bought about 5,000 water balloons. Oh. And had a water fight for the kids against the fire department. And it made a little bit of a mess, but we cleaned it up. (laughs) (laughs) It was well worth the mess. I'm so glad you explained the balloons. Well, this actually does lead into your being the event coordinator for the Crestone Energy Fair, too. What did you learn from the 4th that you're bringing and applying to the Energy Fair this year? People want to be back together. People really have lost that enabling and good feeling when you are in community and you're together and enjoying each other's company. That has been lost for the last year, and people really want it. And we're going to bring it to them. Great answer. Lisa, you wanted to circle back around and talk a little bit about some of the other people who are involved, because obviously you three are the nucleus of this, but there are so many more people that are volunteers and coordinators and doing a lot else to help you all pull this off. Well, one of the main staples of the Energy Fair are the home tours. So Goldie Mariola has just been a fantastic volunteer, really stepping into her skill set and leadership. We really want to just give a shout out to her and maybe Donovan could share a little bit more about this year's tour because we did take off last year and did it as a uh, video perspective. So you could still watch last year's, but it was online and through video. So we're happy to get back to the live format. Goldie's got buses lined up this year for the folks so we can put everyone in one form of transportation, which sometimes the bus ride from one location to the next is where most of the magic happens. After you get a chance to see the home and chat and listen to what the owner has to say, why they did things, and then get back in the bus. And it's quite an experience. People start talking about what they saw. It's incredible to be on the bus. Mm -hmm. And Goldie has done such a phenomenal job of really networking herself into the community and finding new homes to show. We have some great new members in the POA over in the Baca who have volunteered their homes to be on the show this year. Thank you, Tony Kenyatta. Super happy to see your house out there, man. For people who have seen some of our pictures and whatnot from the past, our friend Jeff is putting his house back on, which is the Gaudi-inspired flying concrete. Really amazing artistic home. I'm pretty sure we have on our YouTube channel, there's some video of it up there. Um, We'll be able to actually walk into that property this year and tour around and see what it feels like inside. It's one thing to see it on video, but it's another to actually walk in and experience it, it, isn't it? unbelievable to stand inside that building. Unbelievable. Is there anybody else you want to mention? 
I wanted to mention with that home tour, we've also created a survey that we're really encouraging our community to complete. You can find it on our website, crestoneenergyfair.org. It's to capture those homeowner builders and those non-traditional building styles and the different, you know, passive methods and energy methods that we're doing to be more efficient in our community. And so if you can please help us with that survey, that's going to go a long way toward our efforts of how we're retaining this amazing building environment in our community. Oh, that's on your website? Yes. CrestoneEnergyFair.org? Yes. It's a complete survey. Just if you built it, what years, what materials did you use recycled? What was your process like? We want to be a support system for other homeowner builders. And so, Adam, remember that the reason that the Crestone Energy Fair exists is because we don't have building codes in our county. So you can build with straw. You can build an earth ship. You can build with recycled trash in a way that you can't do anywhere else. Right. So we have this knowledge base that's really fantastic and that we want to share with other people who are interested in building in a similar way. Well, there's a lot of good information on your website, of course, and all of the contact information will be on this podcast page. So if you are listening and you're you're mobile or something, drop by the webpage, how to reach out to you. We'll put the survey on there and all of the different information, your YouTube channel, you're on other social media as well. So people will be able to reach out and learn more because I think that's, that's an important thing. You're not just doing this to do it. You're doing it to educate others. You want other people to come by and learn. Yep, that's why it's free. And for people who have never been inside of a house with earthen walls, that's passive solar, it is not like being in any other structure. It is for sure a unique living environment. It changes everything. You can feel the change in the air. You can feel how you're not breathing in toxins that you would normally be breathing in a house. It's really different and very special when you, when you walk into those spaces. Well, we couldn't uh, do all of this or wouldn't be doing this without the kids. And so we want to give a shout out to Taylor Martin with Rainbow Lightning. She's been doing events and festivals across the country. And so we are really happy she and her partner, Treeford, have landed in Crestone. And so she'll be heading up our kids area this year. So along with very intentional and inspiring kids and parents activities, they're looking at also doing an infant care. So we're looking for those parents, sitters and support in that area. And then her partner, Rob, will be doing our sound again and playing a set on our Saturday night for our closing. So we're excited to have them as a, as a couple really getting involved in our team. Yeah, thank you, Treefort. The exciting part for me is this year, finally, since we have a permanent site, the building workshops this year are targeted to build a playhouse for the kids area so that Taylor and Rainbow Lightning have a solid structure that they can start working around. So I'm really excited about that. That gives us an opportunity to put different materials side by side, watch how they perform over the course of time, put different exterior materials on there and see how they work out. And I love bottle walls. (laughs) (laughs) Those really are pretty. They're so beautiful. They're just gorgeous. I haven't been inside of a house that has one, but I imagine the colored light coming through is just phenomenal. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, and so we're going to do some bottle walls. We'll probably do some with papercrete. We'll do some with hempcrete. We'll do some with adobe. I imagine we'll do some with some traditional cement as well. And you get to observe this over time. Yeah, and put your hands in there. If you want to throw a couple of bottles on a wall, throw them up there. It'll be great fun. Other than sustainability and, of course, the uh, lower toxic content, what are some of the advantages of hempcrete over concrete? Oh, great question. Concrete has an incredibly high embodied energy. So it takes a lot of energy to mine and refine Portland to make concrete. 
So that's going to be your primary difference there. And then the hemp is going to add a level of insulation to the material. Concrete is a mass material. It doesn't really have any insulatory value. So the other drawback to concrete is that concrete has the capacity to take on heat really fast. So if you have a passive solar home and during the middle of the day when the temperature starts to spike, the concrete has the ability to absorb that heat really quickly to help the room from overheating. The problem with concrete is it has the reverse capacity also. So as soon as the temperature in the room drops, concrete dumps all of the heat really quickly. Whereas Adobe's transfer rate is going to be way slower. Depending how dense your hempcrete is, it's going to have a little bit of a mass quality, but more of an insulatory quality. So it's not transferring heat in and out as quickly. So for example, when we're building with concrete, oftentimes we're building with what's called ICF, insulated concrete forms, which are styrofoam with concrete poured into them. And so the styrofoam provides that insulative value and the concrete provides the rigidity that's really fantastic, right? Whereas with hempcrete, that insulative value comes from the hemp, from the organic material of the hemp. And it's a little bit less expensive too. So a little bit less weight on the footprint. And the ICFs are, are really nice for also taking that concrete and slowing down that transfer rate of the heat that it does gain. Concrete's not my favorite. It's, it's a necessary evil in a lot of scenarios though. But we will be bringing in Rocky Mountain Hempcrete from Boulder. So they'll be part of our alternative building panel this year. And they're going to be doing some demonstrations. And they've got a couple of great concepts that they want to show. I'm really excited to see what they have to do. I've heard of Hempcrete, of course. You know, you have to kind of live under a rock not to have at least heard of it. But I wondered what the advantages of one over the other would be. And obviously there are more, but those are the primary ones. Mm -hmm. We start nitpicking after that. You know, as you were discussing earlier, there's, there's a whole army of people behind the scenes helping all of this. Do you have any particular needs ahead of time? You know, we're a few weeks out from the energy fair as we record this. If someone wants to get involved, wants to help, what do they do? Well, Melissa Ketchum has stepped in as our volunteer coordinator, which is amazing. We love having all this extra help. So what we've been doing is on Sundays out at the site, we do a noon to five volunteer projects day and then a five to eight p.m. networking and potluck. Please feel free to come at any point, leave at any point, whatever's in the flow of your day. It really is a way to just engage and meet people, like-minded people in the community. So thank you, Melissa, for stepping in. You can find that again on our website under the Join Us tab for volunteering. You need volunteers, obviously. Yeah, and then obviously through the events. So, you know, she'll have a more specific need. You know, there's the event setup, breakdown, keeping bathrooms, water maintained, kitchen you know, we'll be doing a free community kitchen again this year, serving meals. Yep. So thanks, you know, to Mary Lowers and Faith Lotus for their work on that. Which kind of brings us to the next point. So, you know, we've expanded to two days now. And so our budget has doubled, if not tripled. <laughs> and so we are still looking for sponsors. We're really still looking for partners who believe in what we're doing and can help us get there. We have done this as a bootstrapped event for a number of years, decades even. And while we continue to do that, you know, we now have a live streaming partner who is not only filming on site, but live streaming it in real time to Facebook and to YouTube with the ability to ask questions on both of those sites to the um, panelists in real time and get those questions answered. You know, because of COVID last year, we really felt like this information needed to get out in a broader way that was limited before only to people who came to our event. And so we've really tried to make that message more available through those different mediums. 
And in fact, afterwards, you can see the different segmented conversations on our YouTube channel, but we just still need money. If you're interested in sponsoring us, our sponsorship packet is also on our website under join us, and we would love to hear from you. And again, we're still maintaining a free event. So this is just education and awareness for us to come together under a forum that doesn't have anything to do with anything other than coming together for our future. Yeah, thanks Doug Beachwood with Terra Media and your crew for really bringing in that next professional level for us with that live stream. Um, he does this professionally around the world and he just happens to live in Crestone. So he really engaged with us last year and allowed us to completely up the ante on what we provide to the community and the world in the form of information. Are there any particular sponsors you'd like to mention at this point? The first is always Swatch County. Yeah. The commissioners, they yeah. always have been coming through to see the benefit of keeping events like this in our community going. So thank you to that board and commissioners for that support. Yeah. First Southwest Bank. The Rural Electric Co-op. SLV REC. They just came back around for a second year, so it looks like we're developing a relationship with them, even as an off-grid event, which I think is pretty impressive. Our normal joyful journey, those guys just provide tremendous amounts of support. The Orient Land Trust, who, you know, you start getting into microgrids and people who have set up facilities based on their capacities and what their resources at hand are, they're a phenomenal location. Hopefully, we're going to have them on a commercial tour this year as well. So people that are into geothermal and hydroelectric and how to manage an infrastructure on a hydroelectric concept in a microgrid can go up and talk to those folks about that because they're incredible with what they've done on that property. Yeah, and thanks to Succeed, Sawatch County Economic and Environmental Development, you know, with Liza Marin and Melinda Myers, their support as our fiscal sponsor, and Valley Roots Food Hub, especially Nick Chambers coming in with his support and with the wood gasification and what they can do with the farms for us. Yeah, Nick is really the motivating factor behind all the prototyping for the gasifier. He has the functioning gasifier that we'll be firing this year and seeing what we can actually run off of it. That'll be fun. Well, certainly, if anybody else is interested in sponsoring your website, CrestoneEnergyFair.org, and your sponsorship packet is there, I encourage people to reach out. You get a lot of great exposure, and there's going to be a lot of people there and watching live, too. I'm going to just jump in because we did mention the uh, amazing stage that got built out there in the desert. There are definitely a few names. Jeff Demur and Paul Grice and Eric Mackey, of course, because that man is incredibly amazing. Hey, Dave. Thank you for coming out, Dave, and helping us out. JR and Sandra, you guys are rock stars. So those are just a few people that we seem to see out there. And Kelly Critchley, we love you coming in from Denver all the time and bringing us new supplies and overall mental support. That crew has been coming out every week for months and months and months to make sure that the site continues to get upgraded and stays on task for this year's event. So thanks, y'all. It's been a fun summer so far. Because we have engaged so many more people in this community, the three of us have been able to start doing more things in the community year-round and planning additional things year-round. We've created a group between the three of us called the Crestone Energy Exchange that facilitates and ideally is the money-making entity that helps bring funds to the event, but also engages other programs and other groups of the community throughout the year. So for example... Well, Donovan had a brilliant idea of starting a community firewood program. 
Although after cutting so many cords of wood, Donovan, um, <laughs> really, I need really more guys and good. ladies out there cutting and delivering wood this year. It's a great partnership with Neighbors Helping Neighbors. The three of us working together, we formed a really good synergy. And so it's like, what's next? Where, what are those basic needs? And of course, staying warm in the winter. So Neighbors Helping Neighbors has a program that helps on many levels, but we wanted to expand with their firewood program. And then with Chrissy Lakish and Karez Hines, with their emergency firewood. So now if someone's in an emergency, they get to deliver it there. If someone needs that full cord, if they're elderly and not capable physically, then we can deliver a free cord of wood. But we're really trying to encourage skills and learning those. So learning about chainsaws. So Ivan Lakish came out, did chainsaw maintenance, and we did a wood splitting contest. And that was really amazing. And so the people who can support by purchasing wood helped really fund the rest of that program for the community. So it was a really good way of looking at alternative models of economy that we could bring in. Because in the past, Neighbors Helping Neighbors has provided free wood, you know, on an emergency scenario basis, and they've just always paid retail for it. Donovan really had this idea and brought it to them that like the amount of money that you spent doing X, you could buy Y, you know, in logs and provide more wood for people and create a sustainable system that would provide wood on different levels and different scaled model of what people can pay. It really was a huge success last year. And this year, I think it's going to be even better. I think so too. It was the end result of adding probably two part-time positions, two part-time new jobs in the community, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and then our current is, most people know, the Crestone Free Box. Or if you've come through there, it's a place people can donate their clothing, their household goods, tools. And that closed last year. And it really has been a group of us. Thank you, Lonnie Roth at Crestone Creative Trade. Again, Neighbors Helping Neighbors. And then our Energy Fair crew, you know, we're providing that overall umbrella organization to provide the structure and the framework to get the entire community supporting this effort. So right now we're in the reconstruction, priming, painting, a call out for artists, Saturday, August 7th, 10 a.m., meet at the Free Box. We'll do some painting and the artist pieces. So we are just really looking at all of those things. Nick last year orchestrated a Thanksgiving dinner because that was going to shut down as well. So in the past, Crestone has had a community Thanksgiving where we feed about 500 people. And so we buy around 20, 25 turkeys, have those cooked, and then the whole rest of the community brings the other potluck items and we all just eat together for, you know, an afternoon. Well, last year, because of COVID, you know, we obviously didn't want to gather in a large setting like that and doing that. But, you know, the year before that, I, when I had taken over the program, I realized that there were over a hundred different people in our community who would not have Thanksgiving if it were not for that event. That was not an option to not have that event, right? So, you know, again, my background's in events. And so I did the catering math and figured out what it would take to have 500-ish to-go boxes of Thanksgiving. And so... <laughs> That's quite an and undertaking. Good music to cook to. Yeah. And so Joyful Journey donated 500 biodegradable to-go boxes. And I figured out enough for, I think, 400 regular, I think it was like 75 vegetarian, and then like 40 gluten-free options. So we wanted everyone to feel like they could come and eat. And we fed about 550-ish people that day. It was really cool. That wow, that's awesome. incredible. Oh, that so, is incredible. Yeah. 
those are the type of things that we are really trying to engage year-round with the community to inspire and help other people engage more. You know, if we all did this, we would live in such a cool place. And we already do. But it's like, you know, the more people continue to really see what we're doing, the more people will really become part of it. I think every community needs forward-thinking people, people who are able to have thoughts that are completely unique, brand new, adjusting to the conditions in which we live today. Adam has a really good saying, and I I just love it. Change is inevitable. Progress, however, is a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Progress is optional. That's the way it is. That is true. And it's very simple. I mean, change is going to happen. You know, look what's happened in our lifetime. I remember the first people walking on the moon. You have to remember their lifetime is not quite as long as ours. I know, not quite as long as ours. <laughs> Rotary dial telephones, e- exactly. baby. Exactly. And, you Pong. know, everything is at our fingertips Pong. now. Pong. Pong. Uh-huh. What did she say? Pong. Got to get back to Pong. That's right. Yeah, and look at how far we've come. Change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Are we going to progress with it is the big question, or not? Or will we let it crumble us? And that's really our only two choices. Well, you know, that's where the energy fair and the other events that we're doing, you know, really resonate with what we believe. You know, if we come together for free, for just the good of the information and to be together, you know, only good things can happen. Positive energy, a positive yeah. vibe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lisa, what is your new word of the year? It's social permaculture. One, I want to thank Cherise Shiner at La Puente Organization in Alamosa. She turned me on to the Denver Permaculture Guild and facilitator Adam Brock who led us through a six-month process, or at least myself, (laughs) and then we pulled Nick in later for a smaller process, really looking at nature as our inspiration. So you think of nature and there's cycles. You know, you have the birth, the budding, the harvest, the death, and that we need to look at those patterns within ourselves as well and within our communities. So it's a way where permaculture is looking at your physical living and your landscapes and your systems and around your home. This is taking it into the social context. And, you know, it's been really evident in our community. We have the skills, we have the resources, we have the technology. It's the community dynamics or the ego structures that stay in place that really prohibit us from being our full potential. So this really walked us into everything goes back to yourself. It's like when you're solid and stable and working and within yourself, that's when you then can start to affect change within your next unit of your family or your close friends. That goes into then ripples into your organizations or your projects that you work on. And until those three are aligned, it's very hard to affect change at a systemic or an institutional level. And I think that's what we're seeing across the country is the breakdown of these systems. So we've realized we really need to build at our local level. And that led us into this year's theme. So it's reconnect, self, village, nature. So we're really excited to explore that theme and some of the pressing issues of our local and regional and and global communities through really well-thought dialogue and some of the difficult questions and answers and, and how do we resolve conflict? How do we truly come back to own our own pieces in our healing so we can heal each other and the planet? Do you follow all that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love 
love this stuff, though. I did follow all of that. It will take me a little while to process it, but that's okay. I think part of what she said was it was okay for me to take a little while to process it. So let's do that word one more time. What's that word? Social permaculture. Social permaculture. You can think of it this way. We all know about compost, right? Right. So you take your vegetables, you let them rot, they decay, it gets a little smelly, but then you're creating this beautiful, rich soil. Well, we need to do that with our emotions, with our feelings toward each other, our old baggage. There's things that we just need to compost so that the new can come through. Or we can hold on to it forever. (laughs) Sometimes you have to hold on to it for a while. It's knowing the right moment too. And our community is super activated. I'm just so blessed, humbled, proud to be there now to see all of the events and these other festivals coming together and really creating beauty and music and art and connection so that we're all taken care of. So we do have one other new word. I love the new word thing. Talk about education. Here it is. My new word is entheogens. Entheogens. Correct. Okay, and that is? So entheogens are medicinal plant medicines. We are having a panel discussion at the event about community sovereignty and the right to heal with entheogens. You know, you might have heard in Denver, they have decriminalized mushrooms. Psilocybin mushrooms. The real reason for that, the real push behind that, is because there has been a lot of research lately in the ability of these medicines to help you through trauma, to help you through different experiences that your mind and your body cannot process except in this altered state. So we are actually having a panel conversation to discuss the gravity of that medicine and the hope that it will continue to become decriminalized throughout the country. It's almost like the reverse of what our lovely military does to train combat people. They know how to put that into them, and this is quite potentially the journey back out. Once they've programmed the electrons and the brain patterns to respond to things in a specific way, the process really is going back and realigning those electropaths so that they don't have the same response pattern to the same stimuli. Potential to treat PTSD and other things too? Correct. Oh yeah, totally. That's where a lot of it's starting to stem from. Those folks coming back out of combat into not the Vietnam vets coming back to what they came back to, but what our Iraqi and the most recent things that we've decided to do as a country. With them coming back, they're coming back to a completely different scenario and they're actually finding support. They're trying to work through their traumas, knowing what the previous generations have been through, but they're struggling to find something that actually functions which is kind of amazing and disheartening in the same voice. I actually have a friend who handed me an entire, what would be in most offices, an entire cabinet drawer full of all of the programs that he's been through with the military to try to get past those instant response patterns. And he basically has said they barely work at best. And so he is still looking for different ways and better ways, more efficient, effective ways to recalibrate. It's a delicate dance, but it's a dance I think we need to do. It's very interesting to listen to all these new things that are happening. And they're not really new. They're not new. I mean, mushrooms have been around since the beginning of time. Medicinal plants have been around since the beginning of the time. And a lot of us, I think, in, in today's society, look and go, oh, well, that's a new trend or that's a new thing. No, it's that somebody finally remembered it and brought it back and somebody else listened and somebody else listened. You know, I don't think that we understand exactly the toll that trauma of any sort and at any level can have on our physical beings. You know, we think, how are you doing? Well, I'm sad, but I'm okay. 
No, you're not okay because there are things going on in your body just because you feel like it's an emotion. There is a physical response to every emotion we have, every single one. And to be able to take that and think about people who have been in war situations or sex trafficking situations or abusive situations where they have been in flight or fight for so long that their brain and their body doesn't understand any other language. And we have to reteach all of that to our brain and all of that to our body and, you know, get even get down on a cellular level and take care of that cell memory and reprogram that. And that not only helps get past the trauma, because the process of doing that, of course, is to talk it out and get it out. So that helps with the emotions. But if you're supporting the body systems as well along the way, you're just healthier all the way around by the time you come out. And sometimes, I think sometimes a lot of us have a lot, have a hard time coming out of that, even when we know. And it's a big discussion in a local community because you have everything from a ceremonial context of using medicines to a therapeutic setting, you know, with trained support and clinicians or therapists into recreational settings, which we see all the time, and then into abusive or addictive. And so when you have that full spectrum, it's really important that as communities, we are looking at what our support systems and when these things are beneficial and when others need more support. We want to make it a culture where it's very supportive of all, all of us to be working with our state. That could just be through breath work. That could be going out and running. That can be all of these things that can alter your experience. Stanislav Grof has a great book, The Way of the Psychonaut. It's long. I'm only halfway through it, but it really does go through that context and through to the beginning of time of the early shamanistic practices and early mysticism and how these things were used in tradition and ritual and culture. There's a lot of great information. Spore you know, maps, the Zendo project, there's really amazing groups that have been on the forefront and bringing this back in. So thanks to all of their work. A few more shout outs. Yeah, thank you, Jay Sanders. Uh, We worked with her on the Seed Exchange. And so she's with Grow the Food Shed out of Taos, but has really stepped in with some of our graphic design efforts and really grateful to have her on our team. And Chelsea Braden coming in as well with a lot of our PR, getting our posts out, helping with all that behind the scenes technology, Instagram, Facebook pieces. Trish Tony's coming in with helping with bookkeeping, getting all of our records straight. Tina Rayford's been coming out a lot and helping with a little bit more of our administrative behind the scenes help for myself. So those are some of the just some of the new ones. You know, we definitely have a strong team of people that have been there with us for years. I did mention at the beginning of this that this is the third podcast that we've done with you guys, and we appreciate you coming and doing this every year. We have a whole lot of fun sitting down and talking to you, learning new things. But if you want to know a little bit about the history of the Energy Fair, some of the past things, I would certainly refer you to the first two podcasts that we recorded with them. Your mission statement, your vision, a lot of the basic information is there too. And of course, that will also be linked off this podcast page. So you want to hear about the history and some of the other stuff, you can go back and do that as well. I just want to let everyone know that Succeed is going to bring back their pancake breakfast. But this year, it'll be in honor of Linda Joseph. She has recently passed, and she was one of our county commissioners. So this will be in her honor. So we're really encouraging everyone to come out and support that effort on Sunday morning on August 29th. And I wanted to just mention real quick, this year, Lisa mentioned that we have this amazing new booking agent for us, Lydia, who has, um, you know, she's both a musician and facilitator for this. She's going to be bringing her band, Pioneer Mother, on Saturday. After them will be an amazing group called Autonomics that will be performing. And then Rob Treefort will be um, spinning later that evening. 
The following day, we have a local musician named Chances Are Good who will be performing. The Sand Mountain Band. They're our no, new I think they're local, local guys. Oh, they're our new local guys. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, never mind. And then the Hollow Sound will be rounding out the night for us on Sunday. Education, kids' activities, entertainment. I mean, you're providing it all, and yeah, it's free. free. Yeah, and we're feeding people. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you want to eat, we have a free kitchen. You can't beat going up to this event. Nick likes to cook, in case you didn't know. Do you have a keynote speaker this year? You know, we don't. We decided that this year we really wanted to keep it more open so that there wasn't necessarily a focus on one. Again, because we're having these conversations as well as the speeches, we really wanted to broaden this so that there wasn't necessarily that focus anymore. However, we do this year, again, have the three different panel discussions. So we have the alternative energy panel on Sunday, and on Saturday we have the alternative building panel, and then on Sunday we also have the gardening panel. Three different panels that focus on our three core elements. This year with different speakers talking about different topics than last year, but all with a really firm foundation in how to project into the future through sustainability. You know, one of the new ones that Lydia has brought out is Mike Word from uh, the Boulder, Denver area. And he's going to be discussing healthy relationships with each other, the planet, our finances. And he's got a big background in in the arts and permaculture, ecological design. So that's one of the workshops. And he's going to be playing music as well. We have a few that are going to be doing both, and presenting even, and doing music yeah, for us. Yeah, and even in between our panel discussions, we're going to have music or other highlighting different uh, entertainment throughout both days, just so we can have some sort of you know segue between the acts. One of the actually groups that I'm really excited about in the conversation tent is Sensei Allen from Shumei Religious Organization. So Shumei is a Japanese group that is based in ancient Japanese Shinto. Crestone is known for its variety of religious organizations that have found a home in it and consider Crestone to be one of their sacred sites on earth. Right. Shumei, again, based in uh, Shinto, is goal is ultimately to raise consciousness. And they do that through arts, through beauty, through the sharing of what they call jorei, which is a, a energy healing. Which Nick can now give you. <laughs> I, yes, I am initiated in that. And then third, though, through what they call natural agriculture. And it's like beyond organic agriculture. What they'll do is they'll go into a place that has really difficult growing conditions and that would typically use GMO seeds and they'd have to buy up those seeds every year from the manufacturers or whatever. They'll go and bring them seeds that will regenerate on their own and that are acclimated to that climate. They'll show them how to grow in their native soils without soil addendums. And if the plants get ill, they will show them how to do jore or this energy healing to help them regrow. It is spectacular and the food is unbelievable. So Sensei Allen is going to be presenting on reconnecting with seeds and people at this year's energy fair as well. Will there be vendors there as well? There will, yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, thanks, Jade Heath. She is our latest addition to the crew. She's going to step in as our vending coordinator. That's going to relieve Nick's plate a little bit to have some assistance. (laughs) And just had someone volunteer today to help with the more of the healing aspect of vendors. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Nick, since you've orchestrated the vendors the past three years? Sure. I mean, you know, the vendors vary in a wide variety of like, you know, anything from people selling solar panels to people selling arts and crafts to people selling crystals to 
just all kinds of different people come and really want to engage their products in what we're doing with the people that we're working with. You know, if you're a vendor, there is still a few spots left to vend at this event. We know we're going to get, you know, upwards of a thousand people each day, probably. So there should be a really nice crowd there to engage with you in person. And that vending information is on your website as well. Absolutely, yes. CrestoneEnergyFair.org. Under the Join Us section. And remember, this is an off-grid event. So it's radical self-reliance, water, sun protection. We'll have new shade structures and infrastructure. But, you know, really think of taking care of yourself, but taking care of a few other people around you so that we can all have a good event. We can only do as much as what you bring to the table as well. And for as much as we're going to have the nasty blue water in the big plastic container, we also have our humanure system has moved to its next level. Like Adam mentioned, I believe the last podcast, we got a little deeper into the humanure concept, Mm -hmm. cooking it and sanitizing it and doing some things so we can actually use it. We'll have our large solar oven for our humanure outhouses that we'll be using this year. And we have last year's material and a couple of other things that we've done this year that are about to go out for testing to the official scientific testing to see how our processes are going for real. So that'll be a lot of fun. So if you don't like the blue water inside the big plastic portageon, sawdust smells way better. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. This has been really fun. This has been really fun and a lot of new ideas. And I know that some of our listeners will think some of them are a little weird. Some of other listeners are like, hey, I'm glad somebody else is catching on. So let's just go ahead and push that a little bit further. A little bit of a more personal level. And you may not answer any of these questions with world peace, ending ending world hunger, or curing disease. Okay? (laughs) Those have been used. Can't do that. We're not in a beauty pageant. So, that's right. We're not not doing that. I want to really hear some great stuff. And when I say personal, I'm not talking about I'm going to, you know, ask you about your most embarrassing moment. I'm going to ask you something that I want to hear something out of you from. So, I will start with Nick. You are walking along, just happy, and everything's fine, and it's a beautiful day, (laughs) and you're just having a great time, and you find a golden magic wand. It has one wish on it. What is the one thing? Yeah, you just find it. What I do on a daily basis. What's the one wish that you have? You know, uh, this kind of goes back to a conversation we had in the car coming up here. I'm a realtor in Creststone, and I'm seeing a lot of people coming to Creststone with intention, not only of building their own houses, but also of living truly sustainable so that they are providing for themselves without any outside addition help. And that's almost impossible for all of us right now. You know, we all rely on food trucks. We all rely on something outside of ourselves to stay alive at this moment. My magic wand wish would be to create a truly sustainable existence for at least the one, those of us that I love, but truly for as many people as possible beyond what we are doing now, but in a more productive way so we can help more people. Lisa, you are given a glowing cosmic pen. With this pen, it can take you anywhere at any point in time to speak with any person and visit with them. First of all, where do you go as far as time? Where do you go geographically? And who do you want to talk to? I just want to go to the source. What was the initial creator, creatrix, mystery? 
You want to go to the source. That's it. Whatever you want to consider. This is a hard one, Martha. (laughs) I don't have a specific, like what I would call that, but it it is. It's, do we call that God? Do we call that energy? Do we call it source? Do we call it the great mystery? All of our different traditions, like where does that all go back and originate from? And for me, it's like, how do we create the current peace? How do we come into that inner peace so we can have that with each other? Great answer. And Donovan. No more magic wands. No more magic wands. <laughs> All the sparkly pens no are gone. No more magic. So yours is going to involve a unicorn. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you good. know no. He's the most <laughs> glittery of Excellent. all of us. So. As long as it sparkles. It sparkles. Exactly. Or blows bubbles. Or blows bubbles. Or blows bubbles. Absolutely. Give it to Donovan. Donovan, you find yourself locked in a time machine. The only way out is to leave your comfort and your security and travel back. You could only go back to one historical event or time period. You will not only witness this, but you're going to be living it. What historical event or time period do you go to? I should have paid more attention in history. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what pops into my mind immediately is the Declaration of Independence. I can't say that I'm incredibly up to date on what's going on because so much of it I disagree with the way it's being done and what the motivations, underlying motivations seem to be. So it'd be very interesting to be there during that time as they were trying to, and not only trying, but succeeding in adopting a different way of being. It really feels like and sounds like we're falling back into the paradigm we struggled so hard to get away from. And so it would be interesting to be there, to be able to experience what they were experiencing, to see how it correlates to what we're going through now. And are we actually in a similar scenario where we have very differing directions depending upon what level you're at, right? If you're just someone trying to get through your day and raise good kids, make sure the dog doesn't chew up the neighbor's garbage versus someone who is actually involved in making policy and guiding the future for the people and what resources we'll have access to and what condition those resources will be in. Yeah, that's probably what I'd want to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all digging deep and coming up with an answer for those because I know they they weren't easy, especially when you don't have any preparation. And there wasn't any glitter. And there was no (laughs) glitter. All right, well, let's go around the table here. Any final comments to wrap up? Nick, start with you. I just want to see people out there. We've built something truly spectacular. My hope that people get out of their comfort zones, come out to Crestone, see what we're doing firsthand, experience what is available now, and learn and take it back to your communities. That's great. Lisa? I'd really like to put the call out to a more diverse and more regional audience to let them know we are creating a really safe environment that does address like the issues of justice and equity in our systems. And it's a real good think tank of people supporting each other. So I'd like to see a more diverse audience coming and participating with us from around the valley so we can create a stronger San Luis Valley. Donovan? I have a soapbox, but I'm not going to get on it. <laughs> oh, come on. Go come for on. it. You got the mic. Have at it. He who has the mic has the power. Go for it. Again, I had my world blown apart a year or so ago by what I thought I knew. And at this point, I really am in a position where there aren't any right answers. There's only the answer that makes you more comfortable. 
there are ways that as a culture and as a species on this globe, that we could probably evaluate our resource usage differently and have a different end result. I know I've said it before, and this is, I won't get deep into this soapbox, but how would your life be different if you didn't have a mortgage? If you didn't have a mortgage and a car payment? If you didn't have a mortgage, a car payment, and feel the need to rack up debt onto a credit card? So if none of those payments were in your life, how would that change things? I'm free to do what I want in the old time, which means help my community. <laughs> These are big things that I've had the luxury to go through where, you know, bankruptcy and losing everything is not always a comfortable position. But on the other side of that, if you don't rebuild the same tower of cards and hope the wind doesn't blow, it really has been an amazing transition. You're not succumbing to the Madison Avenue approach of you got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, if yeah, They exactly. have it, you have to have it. Or, but it's got to be better. It's a crazy spiral. It's a crazy spiral that doesn't seem to lead us into a healthier place. I agree. But I bet my humanure smells better than your humanure. <laughs> I bet you're right. I know what your diet is. <laughs> Y'all are just comparing shit now. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> It's the 32nd annual Crestone Energy Fair. It's August 28th and 29th this year, year 2021. We certainly invite people out. Come on out and learn something new. There's so many great things going on. You can find out more about social permaculture. You can find out about microgrids. You can find out about hempcrete, humanure, and just so many other things. I absolutely encourage people to come spend a day up in Crestone. It's a really neat community. There's a lot going on up there. And you're just going to enjoy yourself and you're going to walk away with new ideas, new concepts, new things that you can take back to your communities and grow. And the great part is, is you can go and you don't have to agree with everything you see and you don't have to believe everything you see. But if you can't find at least one thing that enriches your life, that's when you need to do your own kind of little mind check and just see how tightly closed it is because we can all learn something. Yeah, and if you don't disagree with something we're doing, we're not doing our job right. Lisa, Donovan, Nick, I want to thank you all once again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you all. I hope you have a wonderful energy fair this year. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Adam. Adam. Thanks, Martha. Make your plans now to join in the events, festivities, workshops, home tours, and more. All happening at the 32nd Annual Crestone Energy Fair. This two-day event takes place this year on Saturday and Sunday, August 28th and 29th near Crestone, Colorado. You can also attend virtually. To learn more, visit their website, CrestoneEnergyFair.org. That's CrestoneEnergyFair.org. Special thanks to Nick, Donovan, and Lisa for sharing again with us this year their plans, mission, and vision of the Crestone Energy Fair. We appreciate you telling your friends to listen to the podcast on slvoices.com and check out our extensive calendar of events, more listings in one location than any other website around. You can help spread the word too by joining our Facebook group, SL Voices, your voice in the San Luis Valley, and liking our posts on other social media outlets. Also check out our Instagram page for behind the scenes looks at what we do. And please, patronize our local sponsors. Remember to support the businesses here in the Valley. Most are owned and operated by your friends, family, and neighbors. We all love this area and want to see it flourish. And you can help by buying and supporting locally in your own and surrounding communities. 
Check back for another local podcast soon. Until then, this has been San Luis Valley Voices, a production of SL Voices, your voice in the San Luis Valley.